Welcome to the Brave Little Podcast. Coming from California, here's Aaron Alvarado and David Stauffer. Welcome to the Brave Little Podcast. Avengers Assemble! (laughs) I am joined by one of my fellow Avengers on the Brave Little Podcast, the man, the myth, the legend from Los Angeles, Aaron Alvarado. Aaron, how you doing? Man, I just got out of Avengers and I am hyped. Are you hyped? This is the be- oh, yeah. This is the best superhero movie I've seen all day. <laughs> Probably. That's crazy because you saw yeah. Shazam this morning. Um, I walked past this theater that was playing Shazam. Does that <laughs> count as watching it? <laughs> How many people were walking into that theater? I mean, zero? Uh, nobody. There okay. was nobody in there. Well, you know, I just, I just looked at... I don't want to get into it just yet, but I just okay. looked at Box Office Mojo. Oh. Can you guess what the number two movie this weekend was? You know what? Wasn't Shazam. I'm, I'm going to... I'm gonna. Uh, the, it wasn't Shazam? It was not Shazam. Okay, hold on. Hold on. I, I get this. And it was... We know it wasn't the... The uh, what was it the curse? For me, of, this is the curse this is of extremely yeah, unexpected. Yorona or my Sharona or whatever. No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> uh, Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel wow. is the number two movie this weekend. Yep. You know what it should have been, by the way. It should have What's been Ant Man and the Wasp because who knew that the plot point of that movie, especially the end credit sequence, would matter so much at the start of Endgame because it did. Did you, look, this, I like to think of I like to think of Endgame as the third Ant Man movie because he carries this movie. He carries this, this movie from from uh, the beginning. Dude, dude, this is like Captain America: Civil War, feeling like the third Avengers film, right? Where they get right. the this yeah. is the third Ant Man film. I I tell you what, Aaron, I went into Endgame not expecting that this was going to be Ant Man and Nebula's movie because it was, it was. Well, those are two of my favorite characters, well, so I'm the, glad they did it. That's why I'm in the. That's why I'm there. I'm there for Ant Man and Nebula. So I was like, "This is perfect." Like, talk about fan service. This is servicing me. This is oh, yeah. perfect. So, should we tell everyone that this is a spoiler-filled episode? Yeah, yeah. In case they, in case, in case they're just listening right now. And well, I'm look, it's that's true. Oh, that's true. I'm going to put spoilers in the look. It's it's already in the description up top. Yeah. Um, I've got it also uh, in the the podcast. If you're listening to some podcast podcast form, you will see. It. I'm gonna have spoilers written all over the place. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. So we will be. Well, spoiling you put a everything. spoiler on your car. I. Uh, we, that's the thing. I added extra spoilers on my car for this pod. <laughs> I love a car that has just like a giant wing on the back. It's such a good look, <laughs> dude. You know. The, you know. It's funny. It's literally today. Uh, driving on the way to my parents' house. We stop at a stop sign, it's four-way stop, and a fellow Tesla Model 3 driver crosses in front of me. And I've learned now, as being part of the Tesla family, you're in this unique club of of having to acknowledge everyone else driving a Tesla, Mm -hmm. which is, look, I wasn't prepared for that responsibility, but it's like that they'll drive extra slow, even if, like, either across traffic or right next to you, just to give you that nod of, like, you you and me both driving these fully electric beasts, you know? And so there's this Model 3 who's going through the intersection. He, he comes almost to a complete stop to acknowledge me. And, and I'm ready to acknowledge him back, right? Except right as he's pulling through, I notice homeboy put a spoiler on the back of his Model 3. These don't come with spoilers. These are, these are and I, I, my hand isn't fully up yet, but I immediately pull it down like, nope, nope, not acknowledging this guy. Nope, sorry. You made a choice so here, funny. buddy. I, I don't want you to get, get the impression that I, uh, that I approve of this choice. 
<laughs> That's literally a plot point in an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. What? There's an episode. Yeah, but it's for Priuses. It's oh. for the Toyota Prius. And there's so. a spoiler? No, it's more about there being oh, the, like a family. The acknowledgement? Yeah, yeah the acknowledgement dude, thing. Dude, it happens yeah, all the totally. time. It's It happens yeah. all the time. And I'm just like... And I look at it, dude, and, and a lot of these people are like middle-aged, older white men. And, and, and a little yeah. bit for me, it's I fear that I'm looking in the mirror, you know? Oh, you and are. I, and I look I look over at them. I'm like, is this my destiny? Like, is this who well, I am? They look at you and, yeah. and, th- and they see uh, themselves. Gosh, dang it. Just <laughs> five years ago. <laughs> it's a lot of benefits. You're almost there. No one told me the yeah. negatives. No one told me the negatives of owning this. There's lots and lots of negatives. <laughs> anyway, um, so yes, spoilers. Lots of spoilers on this pod. Lots of spoilers on unnecessary spoilers on Model 3s. Um, so I guess it is a spoiler to say that this is Ant-Man and Nebula's movie. Um, I, I didn't realize, I didn't fully realize how important it was for you to understand the current goings-on of Ant-Man in this film until Lindsay was like, she leaned over in the theater, she's like, what? is hap- like what is the quantum realm first off and why was yeah. ant-man in a van um <laughs> and uh, i was lo- i've only seen ant-man once i never saw ant-man and the wasp i was yeah. lost yeah yeah <laughs> my mom hadn't either and you know what thankfully this movie which feels like three movies is so jam-packed that you just you just go with it you're just like whatever he came yeah. out of something and whatever this place that he came out of also can produce time travel and so let's go save our friends okay and so, but do, dude, do you know how many people didn't see Ant-Man and the Wasp? Like, this is not, this is one of the worst performing of the Marvel films. Uh, and I can't believe how important the end credit sequence was to that film. They should have come out and just been like, we get it if you didn't see Ant-Man and the Wasp. We understand. But just before you see Endgame, watch the end credits like sequence or like here's just shoot out a, a a youtube link with that clip like you need to see this before going in endgame i really do think it was important i think well i think they should have uh taken out one of the early early trailers and just put the the end sequence of uh ant-man and wasp in there why why not seriously why not i didn't need yeah. another detective pikachu trailer okay i've seen like i've seen I, we didn't get detective pikachu actually did you not Oh, because it every day. Unless we came in late, maybe. Oh, I don't did know. you get in? Oh, in late? Maybe oh. that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. I, did you see the uh, Godzilla King of Monsters? No, I trailer? didn't. So. Oh, we got that one. Okay. Oh boy. I'm sufficiently hyped for that one. Are you? Yeah, I'm over the moon for that one. Well, I'm it looks excited. Really good for Detective Pikachu because it just feels like Deadpool three. And uh, oh, it's like Ryan Reynolds' brand of comedy now is just too intertwined with his person, like his that character Deadpool is too much with his personality. I'm like, oh, it's a PG Deadpool in the form of a Pokemon, Pokemon movie. Like, I'm in. Let's go. Mm-hmm, let's mm-hmm. do it. Um, <laughs> so let's 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 rewind this back a little bit. You just got out of Endgame. I saw it on Friday. Um, I was in Hawaii, uh, and so I had to drive 45 minutes to find a decent theater to see this, which is really just an enormous first world problem. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was about to complain about my rental car, but I caught myself. Um, but uh, yeah, so I saw it, and of course, a packed, totally sold out theater. I mean, I'm I'm fully reclined with my wife on my right side, and this stranger, this middle aged white dude who decided to take his socks off in the the trailer no. I knew it was going to be this was going to be special <laughs> took his socks off 
as he reclined, I was like, oh, well, this is great. That's pretty interesting because socks are basically um, they're I don't want to say they're not man or they're not. Uh, nobody uses socks in Hawaii is yeah, what I'm trying yeah, to say is yeah. you don't see socks, period. No, so why is this yeah. guy wearing socks into a movie? Agreed. It had the dude come in and flip flops. Right. Just with no yeah. socks. You kick the flip flops yeah. off. That's fine. I'm not really I'm not complaining. But we no. walking in with socks. You got to keep the socks on. OK, leave them on. Yeah. Leave them on. Leave him on. Also, that memo could have gone to the guy I sat next to on the plane ride last night back to Oakland. Same memo. <laughs> Different guy. Same memo. Um, anyway, so I'm in a full – I'm in a sold-out theater. I will say I, I immediately noticed that um, as excited as the people were in my theater for Endgame, this was notably different than the Thursday night screenings that have, like, um, everyone dressed up. Or and the energy, the vibe, people are like hooting and hollering. There was no real cheering in my theater, with the exception of two or three moments. Right, like usually those Thursday night screenings on opening weekend, people are cheering at the Marvel credit sequence at the beginning, right? Or that little yes, graphic, absolutely. people are going nuts, right? And so this was not that crowd. Uh, you know, again, with the exception of a few major moments that you'd probably guess that elicited reactions. Uh, there was only one person dressed up as anything. I, I kid you not. This was an elderly man with a cane dressed head to toe in a Spider-Man costume. <laughs> I passed him on the way out of the restroom, like right before the movie started. Cause yeah. I went, you know, I wanted to make sure I could go the full three hours, you know, without having to leave the theater. And he was on his way in and like, dude wasn't moving well. And yeah, no, I know he was like, Steve Rogers by the end of this film in, in a, <laughs> in a Spider-Man head to toe, you know? And I'm just like, dude, I love the commitment to the bit, but like, I was terrified this dude wouldn't make it till the end of the movie. Like, um, he could have just uh, dressed up in normal clothes and been uh Robert Redford's character, <laughs> the secretary guy from, uh, agent, whatever shield. Yeah. Yeah. He was in, uh, well, which, which, yeah, I'm trying to remember which. I, I don't it even know. Winter Soldier. Yeah. He was in Winter Soldier. Sure. Yeah. He was in Winter Soldier. There, I mean, that's it's part of the movie is like, it just gets absurd how many cameos are in We're there. We're going to talk about it. I mean, we're going to yeah, talk about it. it, we got, it I have the list of cameos, and you can help me if oof. I'm forgetting some of them here, but I want to go through them. Yeah. I don't want to rank them, but I want to discuss them. Uh, that there's, one. There's some better, there's some that are better than others. Oh, uh, yeah. Aaron, there are. Yeah. But let's again, let's back up. I, I, I'm I'm getting sidetracked too easily here from all the, the goings on in my theater, but uh I uh even though this wasn't like a Thursday night hyped crowd, clearly this movie delivered what people wanted. This movie uh was hu- hugely satisfying for my theater. Um and I'll tell you, my take on it right now is that I thought this was a real proper and meaningful and emotional, and I will say satisfying, send-off and a payoff to 21 previous films leading up to this moment. I thought it was incredibly satisfying. I thought it was incredibly long. I say that all the time about many movies. But I actually felt like it was very meaningful and, uh, and very satisfying. So long as you resist any and all urge to ask questions, okay? If you hold this film under any level of scrutiny, uh, at all, I mean, like even a little bit, it's gonna fall apart, and you're gonna have a bad time. And so, if you get caught up in those plot points, if you get caught up in the minutia, if you get caught up in those details, uh, you're it's gonna it's not gonna bode well for the film. But I feel like it built towards these these moments and this 
payoff at the end that like it didn't matter. It ultimately what it delivered, it didn't matter. The the film to me was far from perfect. Um, I did not enjoy it more than Infinity War. I thought Infinity War was no. a better film. It is, yeah. And uh, I wouldn't put this in my top five of the Marvel movies uh, out of the 22 now. I would probably put it in the top 10, but it would be like right around maybe nine or 10. It's right there in the middle. Um, but uh, I... Yeah, it's the Kevin Durant of uh, Marvel movies. Oh, Barely uh, squeaking in the top the, 10. Uh, Kevin Durant's the second best NBA player, <laughs> so that's weird that you make that. I mean, he's the third best player on his own team, oh, so whoa, how does whoa, that work? Whoa, whoa, <laughs> what are we doing? Oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> oh, gosh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to buy a Durant next jersey, aren't I? Jeez. It's coming. Ugh. Um, I hope he ends up on the Lakers because I want to see you in a Lakers jersey. <laughs> Just once in my life, I want to see you wear a never, Lakers jersey. Never. If I if a gun to my head and I had to buy a Lakers jersey, guess which one I buy? Oh, I I can. I'm assuming it's Rick Fox. No, because you respect him so no, much. No, no. Well, it's Vladi. It's obviously, Vladi. you're wearing it's a Vladi. Vladi. I'm wearing yeah. a Vladi. I'm wearing a Vladi Divac Lakers jersey. But look, honestly, gun to my head, I still don't put the jersey on, and I say I lived a good life. <laughs> I had a good run. (laughs) Okay, so um, that's my overall take. We're going to get into the details here in a second. But my overall take is that I I found it to be very satisfying and meaningful um, so so long as you suspend not just disbelief, but like you really resist urge to to pick it apart at all because um, some of the structure of this film is – I don't know if it's problematic is the right word, but it it really just needs to get you to that last hour. Now – Aaron, you don't love superhero movies as much. Certainly these Marvel movies aren't your cup of tea. You're on the record. No, I'm more of a DC fan, personally. Right. Um, Batman and Superman was one of my favorite movies of the past decade. Yes. Uh, I'm talking about the extended cut, by the way, not the theatrical cut. No. That was a three-hour movie that I loved. Oh, my gosh. Avengers Endgame, can't say that I loved it. But I can say... That it was, I agree with you, it was a fitting end to uh, whatever chapter they consider this. Um, this is a good little way to cap it off and then s- send it off into the new, the next class of superheroes. Uh, for me, I was thinking about this, I was talking to my wife on the way home. I think that I'm done with Marvel movies at this point. Because yeah. I think this is a send off for all the characters. I'm basically done with all of them except for spider-man i got a i got a soft spot uh soft spot in my heart for spider-man i think that that actor is amazing i can't think of his name tom something tom holland. Yeah. yeah tom holland i think he's perfect he's he's the perfect spider-man i love what they're what they've done with him so far yeah. um but beyond the spider-man movies i'm i think i'm out of marvel and mm. i think and so it's a it's like a send-off for me too you know as as a fan of the movies as like an occasional fan I think this was a good way to go out. Um, the movie itself, you cannot scrutinize it at all because it's, it can't, it doesn't, uh, it falls apart the moment you try to put your finger on mm-hmm. how these things logically work or how mm-hmm. they came to these conclusions. But doesn't matter because look how we got here. Um, so, in that essence, it's it's a really good movie, um, for, especially for me. I feel like it's an end of an era, and uh, I'm happy with the way that they capped off the characters. Speaking that did end cap. up getting capped uh, off. Yeah. You're telling me you're done with Marvel movies, yeah. but you wouldn't watch like the f- the third installment of the best exotic Marigold Hotel, starring a geriatric Captain America, Steve Rogers, as he is in a senior citizen facility, living out the rest of his. He's seemingly over a hundred years old, by the way. Um, <laughs> I was gonna say two hundred. 
was, he looks they made him about 250 years old um he's he's almost old enough to run for the democratic nomination uh for president <laughs> he's almost that age uh yeah but actually they did a pretty good job because they aged them and it was believable yeah um but yeah man i'm just i like the way that he went out i like the way that uh iron man went out and i, yeah. I uh I like what happened to all these the characters I did like. Um, so, I don't know what they're going to do with Thor. You, but though? like, I mean, we talk about the, let's talk about the people that went out, right? We went into this yeah, film. Yeah. That was the question, right? Everyone was like, Captain America's going to die. Everyone was saying that. We knew that Chris Evans was up, his contract was up, and that he was on the record saying he didn't want to do this anymore. So everyone was expecting yeah. some glorious death on the battlefield, which is not what we got. Um, now, I went in thinking Iron Man and, and <clears throat> Iron Man and Captain America are goners. Okay. Yes, question is, same here. Is, is, is who else? Now, uh, did any moment in this movie legitimately surprise you? I'm trying to think of if I was actually surprised. Um, no, I wouldn't say that I was surprised, but I will say that they did um, what they did or what they do to Thor. It was actually really funny, and I thought they handled that. That that exceeded my expectations. To bring back uh, Dad bought Thor, loved it, and turn him into the Big Lebowski was. I think that was a stroke of genius. That's probably my favorite bit of the entire movie. Oh. Well, that and also the way they did the the Bruce Banner Hulk okay um, combo. So those are the two things that I really liked about the movie. That's interesting. So I, I split. Yeah. I'm splitting those. I have a list here because I do want to go over things that worked and didn't work. One of the yeah. things that worked for me. Fat Thor, okay. Or yes, I like to call yes. thick Thor, but uh, <laughs> he's definitely thick Thor. Uh, yeah. And then what didn't work for me was this hybrid Hulk, this Banner Hulk. I liked him. Uh, yeah. I couldn't do it. It was never not weird for me. Like I was just <laughs> like the the best Banner moment in this film was when he's talking to Sorcerer Supreme, played by Tilda Swinton. Speaking of cameos, and that was awesome because she's talking to Mark Ruffalo. She's talking to Bruce Banner, and it was like one time yeah. I'm like, ah, oh, this is cool, you know, like. Uh, I guess we did get a little bit of Bruce at the very beginning of the film. Um, I will say that that surprised me. Speaking of surprises, was that there was this weird kind of like false start at the beginning of the movie. Like we get this like sequence that's basically like, oh, yeah, they reacted immediately to the Thanos stuff and it didn't work. And then here's five years later. That jump I was Mm -hmm. not expecting. But we get this like this uh, this moment with Bruce Banner where. I, it was in the trailer or in some of these scenes where he's like, I don't know if Mark Ruffalo if he just wasn't trying on set or whatever. But it, when he's like, if we do this, what does that mean for this? <laughs> like it was like this weird Mark Ruffalo performance. So maybe maybe I should have appreciated him as this hybrid banner Hulk. But that didn't actually work for me. Um, it just felt weird. I mean, the CGI was fine, but it just I don't know. It just felt weird. Fat Thor, on the other I, hand, dude. Yeah, dude. I. I'm here for it. And, I, I, and I'm here for it because they committed to the bit. Like, the whole totally. time I was waiting, like, okay, this, like, lightning bolt's going to strike down, right? And he's going to have a six-pack again, right? It's just going to be like, okay, let's wait for this moment. We're going to get, like, a montage of him on a treadmill or something, like, at the Avengers headquarters. Right. And then he's going to come out and just cut again. But no. Homeboy was... Well, I thought... Yeah, no. They fully committed. I thought they could have used, like, a whole, the whole time travel thing. You know, how they, they oh, changed yeah. what's-his-name's body, Ant-Man's body... Because oh, yeah. they overshot or whatever, so I I thought they might have done that, and I'm so glad that they didn't, dude. I'm because it's so much funnier that they. <laughs> and literally, Stark uses the Lebowski. I mean, he yeah, says that. It's perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> oh, it's really good. Uh, yeah, that definitely worked for me. So, 
uh, I, I do want to talk about this movie in terms of parts. Um, I feel like the first hour has a notable tone uh, and feels like not self-contained, but something entirely different. The second hour is a lot of I, I don't know if action is the it's not action. It is um, the the mechanics of the time travel at play and what I would consider the playing the hits part. And quite frankly, I think the part that probably was the most um, um, problematic. Uh, I would say it's the most uninspired because yeah. it, that was I mean, that's they were literally retreading scenes. Yeah. In the past. Yeah. I mean, so, that's doesn't that's not exactly great. No. Um, so but, great so let's talk about that first hour. Did you like yeah. that first hour? How do, do you think I enjoyed the, I did because it kind of reset everything, right? So they had yeah. to um I do I especially liked how they handled the um the first little segment that you mes- mentioned where they go and they kill Thanos yeah. and it doesn't do anything and then it's like 5 years later and and they're um just completely perplexed about how they can fix this stuff. And and what I liked was Captain America says, you know, we we don't need to fix it. We we can just move forward. And um you know, this is our life now. We just got to move forward. And he was the only one that thought like that. He was the only one that was ready to move on. Yeah. And everyone else, literally everyone else in the world was just thinking about how, you know, how we can go back, um, how we can make the world great again, if you will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it was, um, I thought that was really interesting how they handled that. And um, I appreciated it because that was a risk that I didn't see um, them taking. Especially killing Thanos, like literally chopping his head off. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty, pretty impressive that they went that far with it. Um, but yeah, so the, then they go into the whole uh, the reluctance to get back into get back into the game. Everyone's moved, or some of them have moved on. Tony Stark, especially. Um, so yeah, I thought that was like that was pretty that was pretty um, interesting the way they handled that, and I thought it was believable, and I felt like um, there was weight to it because there was. Um, you know, there's real consequences, and um, there was a possibility that it wasn't going to work. Um, and then we get to the, that second, basically the second hour, like you said, where wasn't a huge fan of them going back into old scenes from the movies. Yeah, um, yeah I don't know. For me, that stuff didn't really work at all. Yeah, unfortunately, so it didn't. It didn't totally work for me either. I did, however, find myself enjoying parts of it. Like some of the fan service worked on me. Like the yeah. in theory, the idea of what they were doing, I kind of resent. I also, I, maybe part of that resentment is born out of the fact that part of it worked. Like, but yeah, it it's cheap for me. It's cheap yeah. because we've already seen those movies. We already have a connection to those scenes, and it's basically just being self-referential. Yeah, um, that is that's not how you. That's not that's the worst way to be creative. Self-referential, anything. Oh yeah, um, self-referential. But they did it, I mean, and they it is, pulled it off. This is the but... definition of self-referential. Like this is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So the plan to, you know, we don't even need to talk about the plan of how they figured out their plan of attack because it's so stupid, and it's just, oh man. Well, I, like you said, you cannot think about you can't think about plans it. or if you think about no, it, it no. falls apart. And because, and we'll talk about the third hour here in a minute, but because that third hour and towards the end of it delivers some real great moments. Yes, um, absolutely. That you can't allow yourself to think about the second hour. And I realized they needed to do this to like push forward the, like the how, like the how are we going to get to that, to the payoff moment. And so like, yeah. I give them a lot of leeway because of that. Um, 
but I, the second I really, hour is a trudge though like it's it, dude the second you're hour pushing it, a rock it is up a, a trudge it's a trudge but let's talk about what like did any of it work for you did you find yourself enjoying any of the moments that they go back to i wanted to uh, especially the uh, the scene where they go back to new york and yeah. uh captain america gets on that elevator ride with uh the hydra yeah. folks he sure and does we all expected it we expected another elevator battle um, like we saw in Winter Soldier, I think was it? Yeah, that's right. That's the, it's an icon. Yes. It's become an iconic scene from Winter Soldier, where he gets in the elevator and he looks to his left and he looks to his right and he makes that comment about like, okay, so like, well, I don't know if it's a who's go who goes first, but like, he basically acknowledges like, okay, all right, are you ready to do this? Like, uh, again, I'm failing to remember the exact line, but he goes yeah, in there. It's and it's such a great moment that I'm like, oh. It's a different building, right? Because now they're on the Stark building in New York, which back in the other movie, they're at uh, they're at the Avengers headquarters or the, or the S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters, I mean. Something, yeah. And so it's a different location, different timeline, because we're talking about the first Avengers film, not Winter Soldier, right? But you see the same people. You see the, the main Hydra slash S.H.I.E.L.D. guy, but then you see my man Frank Grillo. Speaking of cameos. He's dude, back. Crossbones. Yeah. Dude, they did <laughs> Frankie that Frankie G is back. They did Crossbones wrong in Age of Ultron or whatever because he dies at the very beginning <laughs> in the latest oh, yeah. way possible. But yeah, no kidding. Frank Grillo. I don't know if you remember this. So Frank Grillo has listened to this podcast. Um He's a huge fan. Yeah. Yeah, no. I know he's listened to one episode because he tweeted me about it. And this is not a bit and it's not a joke. He actually has. I was trying to find the tweet. He has since deleted his Twitter account, which I know Smart. sounds really convenient Smart, yeah. for my story. But I swear to you, uh, I he had I'd added him on Twitter like went right after he had first joined Twitter, before he was verified. Eventually, he became verified, yeah. and then he got out of the Twitter game altogether. I'm guessing that he was probably nervous about things that he tweeted ruining his career. So he got out of there. Yeah. Uh, but Frank Grillo, we did the same I would be Warrior. too. But we... uh, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He got out of the Twitter game for the same reason. Um, <laughs> but we did this episode about Warrior. Uh, now, Frank Grillo famously is the trainer for Brendan Conlon, the Joel Edgerton character in the, in the uh, MMA film Warrior, which is a truly just a great film. Uh, and he is Frank Grillo is excellent in it. And so he mm-hmm. basically said, thanks for the shout out. Like, thanks for the props uh, in a tweet. And I'm like, Frank Grillo has listened to this podcast. Now, this is before he was crossbones <laughs> in Avengers. So I'm seeing him on yeah. screen. And he's um, I mean, he was one of my favorite cameos in this thing is like, dude, give me more Frank. Give me more Frankie Frank. So they get in the elevator and I'm like, I, I in my mind, I'm like, I know it's fan servicey if they do this battle again, but I'm here for it. I'm, I'm ready. So what happens? Well, they were setting it up like they were setting us up for we're going to relive these moments. Yeah. We're going to do we're going to do it all over again. And then they kind of just choked and they handled it the worst possible way. Yeah. And I understand what they were going for. It's like we're going to fake them out, basically. But it felt it felt like it left you uh, unfulfilled because yeah. we were we were already recycling the scene. We were already reliving the moment. So let's just do the damn thing, basically, and just let's go go full bore. If you're gonna if you're gonna pull that that cheap stuff and be self referential, go full bore, or else don't do it at all. Yeah. Um, because the way they handled that is just it felt completely unsatisfying. So, in the same sequence, in the same timeline, we get Captain America who encounters himself, and right. and smartly the the. Uh, the other Captain America thinks that it's Loki pretending to be him mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he gets in a fight and he does the whole, I can do this all day. And the other one's like, yeah. I know, I know. Did that moment work? That fight work at all for you? People are loving that moment. It was fine. 
It was fine. I, I wouldn't. I wasn't particularly a fan of it, mm. but it was okay. Yeah. Well, so that same timeline, we do get. Uh, well, we it's it's a misfire. Okay, what they do doesn't work. Loki gets away with the cube. Yeah. Okay. By the way, what happened to that Loki that has that tesseract? We don't know. Never. <laughs> Never referenced again, so, so it does, so, I guess it doesn't matter. So Loki, matter. there's another Tesseract out there with Loki, okay? I mean, yeah. because, and I, I know we're all over the place here, but we were told in no uncertain terms that the events of other timelines like aren't going to affect the other one, you know? And so they go back earlier to get it um, from an earlier time, right? When uh, when Tony Stark's dad, Howard, who was, you know, working yes. for S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. and whatever, um. And so we see that Loki gets a Tesseract, he bounces, and that's it. We don't know. Like, at the end of the film, when when Captain America goes back to place the stones back in the place to d- destroy any of the branches of the timeline, does that destroy the branch of Loki with a Tesseract somewhere? I don't know. Like, No. Aaron. I th- Part of me hopes that, you know, Loki's getting his own TV show. Yeah. So I is hope Black that it's Widow, a spinoff of that. So, yeah. Or a movie cool. or something. Yeah. I think she's getting a movie. Yeah. So... Anyway, I the time travel thing. Look, I I dislike time travel plots in any movie because it's impossible to hold like to, for anything to 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 be able to hold up to any scrutiny. Uh, also, Back to the Future already did this nearly perfectly in the first one. We don't need to do it again. So for them to literally come out and reference Back to the Future in this movie and say it's not like that, it was Multiple like oh, times. Well, then what yeah. is it going to be like? And I don't know for you, but there was a sequence here where I think it's Mark Ruffalo. And uh, is it Mark Ruffalo, Ant Man, or or Captain or Iron Man? Uh, Tony Stark are explaining time travel, like so. The future one can't ever change the when the past, and they're explaining it. And I'm 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 sitting there in the theater, being like, I do not understand at all what you're saying. Like they do it so fast, uh, and yeah. they explain it in a way that also is so certain. Like you're gonna get this, but this is how the rules of the time travel we're going to come up with, and those rules are not followed at all. And no. there's all kinds of – I'll tell you what. I mean, we're going to talk about Gamora here in a second as well uh, in the third hour. And Gamora is – like just Gamora's being alive again. Gamora who was – oh, gosh. I don't want to – I'm, I'm going to get into my bit about Gamora because I feel so strongly about it. <laughs> Maybe I'll just withhold it. But just the fact of Gamora's existence tells me like, okay, so really we could probably get Black Widow and Tony Stark back. <laughs> I mean mm-hmm. – <laughs> Just grab yeah. them from the other timelines this, and bring them here, and so, we're good. Like, yeah. So are, this is why this is doing? specifically why I expected at the end that yeah. the, after the credits we were going to get an indication yeah. that Tony Stark actually lived. Well, you did get some. Sound. I was sure you get of some it. sound of an Iron Man suit being built, but it's just kind of like why do you go to these great lengths to reference Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Hot Tub Time Machine, Back to the Future. Uh, shout out to Eric Bana, previous Hulk. His movie, The Time Traveler's Wife, did not get shouted out as a cultural <laughs> touchstone of time travel movies. Sorry, um, but like they go to. These oh big- man, could you imagine? Could you imagine if they went back and found the Bana Hulk? Like if they that would have been such a good bit. Dude, if they went amazing. back in time, amazing. <laughs> One of the timelines they go to, and it's and it's Eric Bana as Hulk, and he's like, "What are you doing here?" Like, wrong Hulk, and then they get back. You know, they jump out. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually that would be so funny. Because well, you could, do, you could do double down on that bit. Go to Banner Hulk, and then you go to Edward Knowlton Hulk, and he's like, "Wait, yes. it's not me in the future. Hulk yes. changes." And you're like, "Oh no, Absolutely. no one wanted you on set, Edward Norton. Sorry, we got you Mark." You could Ruffalo. do it with the Spider Man. 
You could go back and, and do all the different Spider-Man. Oh my gosh. Yeah, see, we should have been in that writer's room. Um, I know. I can't believe they didn't pull that off. Yeah, they should have. It was right there. But instead, they give us some other cameos. And so right. um, I do want to run through those. I'm sure that there were. We I, get a lot of cameos. We had a by lot the way. of cameos. A lot. So I'm going to go through these. I'm going to ask you, did it work or did it not work? So we already talked about Frank Grillo. Yeah. Works. Okay. Works. Yeah. Tilda Swinton as a Sorcerer Supreme. Worked or didn't work? It absolutely works. It's the best cameo in the entire Ooh, movie. Ooh, explain. She has the most to do. Um, her character actually serves purpose. And it's true to her original character. Um, yeah. It's basically like they just left off where um, she was in the last movie. And it felt just completely honest and substantial. So I give her the number. I give her the nod. Okay. She did a great job, too. Uh, next one, Natalie Portman. She, she had zero lines, but it totally worked for me. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Natalie Portman filmed yeah. scenes in this movie and didn't utter a single word of dialogue. I was like, nope. how did you get in? First off, shout out to Natalie Portman for playing ball. Now, she famously did not want anything to do with the future, like those uh, Thor movies after the Dark World. And look, if I were her, I wouldn't want anything right. I have to do after the Dark World as well. Uh, that w- what a trash movie! I rank all of my favorite Marvel. It's my very last. It's number twenty-one now, number twenty-two in the list. Um, yet that's the movie that Thor's timeline goes to. <laughs> and so we get Natalie Portman. Honestly, I saw it. when it first shows her, it's the back of her head, and he's like, "Oh, Jane," you know. And I'm like, "Oh, yeah. they just got like you know a brunette, you know, to stand in for right. Natalie Portman." I get it. I get it. You can't get everyone. And then it's like, "Oh no, you did get everyone." You did get Natalie oh, yeah. Portman. You see a scene with her. She doesn't say a word. What are you doing bringing Natalie Portman on set and not even giving her a line? What are you doing? No Bruce words, Oprah. but she's so powerful. She has such a presence that she makes that scene. Well, I noticed uh, Mr. D- Joe Russo, the Russo brothers, uh, You know, w- one half of this directing duo. He found some time for mm-hmm. himself in a cameo in the little support group at the beginning talking about his dating life. But oh, no, no words oh, was, for our oh, woman, I didn't know that Natalie was Russo. Portman. Yeah, that's funny. So ridiculous. Anyway, so no, I, look, I was happy to see her, uh, but uh, yeah, it seemed kind of bizarre. Um, John Slattery worked or didn't work? It works, um, but he looked ridiculous. <laughs> he looked absolutely ridiculous, but it still worked. Like it was, it was pretty good. It was a heartfelt, sentimental moment between him and his son. Yeah. So I give it a pass. So I love seeing John Slattery. Of course, I want to see him as Roger Sterling. You know, I want to see yes, him as Mad exactly. Men's Roger Sterling. Yes. Um, I mean, I ultimately it, it worked for me. Uh, I, I I went in like I said, I expected Iron Man to die in this movie, and then when it starts and we see him, he's got like a five year old daughter, you know, or a four year old daughter or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it just further confirmed like, oh, okay, so this guy, there's stakes here. You know, he actually has mm-hmm. something to lose, which means he will die. And then exactly. this really confirms it when it's like, oh, yeah, he gets this whole back in time, this conversation with his dad. I mean, again, if you think about these things too much, they'll fall apart. But John, like Howard Stark having a conversation with someone that he just like bumps into in, the, in a bunker somewhere, having like a meaningful conversation like that seems unlikely. Like, yes, Howard Stark seems like the type that's like, I don't have a second of my time to give to you, you know, you pleb or whatever, you know, just like, exactly. Yeah. Especially someone that's acting so strange in a top secret location. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. I do. I like the fact that the um, the lady that was right in the um, uh, in the elevator recognized that uh, those guys were suspicious. Oh, yes. Yeah, but did. not uh, not no, Howard Stark. Not one of the smartest men in the world. <laughs> nope. <Mm-mm. laughs> 
I did think, I did like the moment though for the for the building on the emotional payoff. It was good. Yeah, it was now, good. <clears throat> Robert Redford, the, the man who told <laughs> us that his final film before retirement would be Old Man and the Gun. He comes out with this enormous lie and has this scene. <laughs> okay. My guy Rob. Okay. Did it work or did it Robbie. not work? Uh, so I, I'm I'm a Robert Redford stan. I, I yeah. always love the guy. I love appreciate anytime he's in a movie. But this one, not so much. How's our man looking <laughs> in retirement? How's he doing? Not great. Not great. I could I'm surprised he didn't fight for a de-aging process. Ooh. Um because he's I mean, he's looking every bit his age in this. Oh, There's nothing wrong with that. He's an older man. But my goodness, if that's supposed to be if that's supposed to take place in 2012, I believe that was the timeline. Yes. You you're telling me you couldn't have cut seven years off of him? Well, they did it for Sam Jackson in Captain Marvel one exactly. movie ago. They sure did. Yeah. And when Sam Jackson uh, comes back in the movie, he yep. looks younger. Yeah, sure. Also, someone that had no lines, but yeah. Zero lines. Zero I lines. don't think that he was actually... I think they reused some no, old yeah. footage. It's all green screen footage. It's, that's all that yeah. is. Yeah. 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 That's a, okay. So, uh, yeah. I just... The only thing I didn't... I couldn't stop thinking about with him, with Robert Rifford, was like, oh, I remembered in the promo tour for, uh, for The Old Man and the Gun... He initially had said this was his last film, and then they kept following up with that. He's like, well, never say never. You never know. He was hedging. His, I'm thinking, like, why would he commit to that and then hedge? And it's like, oh, that's because the Russo brothers had reached out to him. and was like, oh, wait, don't tell people it's your last film. We need you for this quick exactly. scene. Um, um, <clears throat> did, did they really need him? Did they? No. 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 You know who didn't get that they call, didn't. by the way? Uh, William Hurt. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. That is a wow, good call. Which, he, he are you had telling me watching that, this movie being like you sons of? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Are you telling me that you couldn't cut Michael Douglas's um, cameos in half and give one to William Hurt? <laughs> Dude, we got so much Michael Douglas in this. A lot of Michael Douglas. Seventy Michael Douglas. By the way, I get it. I get it now. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. Oh my gosh. Um, next cameo, I, I'll just say I loved this one, and that's Korg from Ragnarok. Of course, he's we're he's huge. playing Fortnite. We're, I mean, with Fat Thor. Yeah, <laughs> that that sequel that scene is not going to age well, but no, it's perfect. Yeah. yeah, it's great for the moment. But yeah, it's it's like in any '80s movie when um when there's someone playing like uh, Nintendo. And it's like Super Mario Brothers one. Yeah, yep. <laughs> it just not does not age well. Does at all. not age well. My kids are gonna ask what that game is that that Fat Thor is playing, and I'm you know I'm gonna look them mm-hmm. in the eyes and I'm gonna lie. I'm gonna say I don't know, never that, played it. I'm that whole sequence is really funny to me. I know it's um, whatever, but I think that was that really worked, and I I hope that uh, Taika wrote that because it feels like he did. It feels the like whole yelling did. at the kids over the headset. Well, he's voicing he's voicing Korg. And so I've yeah. got to believe they when they bring him into a scene like that that he is gonna they're gonna let him do Taika things because they saw it worked in Ragnarok, you know. And so yeah, I yeah. think he wrote some of those sequences. It was really funny. The yelling of the kid, it was it was really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, everything with Thor, I was pretty into. Um, which Thor Thor became the best of the Avengers. Yeah. Thor became the guy that everyone roots for. Yep, and that's all because of Taika. Taika's yep. directing of. Of Ragnarok. And so. amazingly, the Russo brothers, which chose Thor the Dark World as the movie for Thor's character to go back to, 
uh, actually was able to produce a meaningful moment, which brings us to our next cameo, Renee Russo as Thor's mom. I will tell you how embarrassed I am right now to tell you. I forgot that Renee Russo was Thor's mom. I like I had just excised this from my memory. Maybe it's just because the movie that was the most meaningful you know, part was her death and what that meant and the ramifications. And I just hated the movie so much that I forgot. I just forgot that that was Thor's mom. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. I hadn't thought about this in so long. But she had a really gr- – I thought that moment between them was, like, p- particularly great. I, I really thought it worked. Yeah, I don't count that as a cameo because I actually never finished um, Thor The Dark World. So I don't know that she was in it. So it's not a cameo for me. That That's just her first appearance in the Marvel Universe. That's great. And she did a great job. She that's was great. awesome. That's great. Um, uh, that's who I had written out. For my uh, for my cameos, um, shout, shout you out didn't to- mention Michael Douglas. Oh yeah, that, well, well look, mean, to your point about all the screen time, I mean that dude crossed. The, I don't know how they how they divvy up the paychecks in the MCU, but he had transcended cameo into like B player, right? Like I mean, he was- yeah, he had as much screen time as Evangeline Lilly. <laughs> no kidding, he really does. No, no yeah. absolutely, maybe more. Um, Michael Douglas, okay. Uh, yeah, Michael Douglas, geez, that guy, you know, that guy was fighting for his money. Like he had a minimum screen time requirement to participate. Oh yeah. Or else he's not going to show up. That's right. That's right. That dude wasn't showing up to do what Natalie Portman did. That He was <laughs> no, not. No, never. <laughs> no way. Uh, and then, uh, yeah. Any other cameos I'm forgetting here? I mean, it, I, cameos. I it was just chock full of them. So many cameos. Yeah. I mean, there's basically a cam- in the first like hour and 30 minutes, there's a cameo every 10 minutes yeah, at least. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah. So those are the ones that, that really stood out immediately. Um, and and the, yeah, they were there again. This was chock full. And so that middle section of the movie, that middle section is the we're going to time travel. Please don't please do not use a microscope. Do, don't put us under any magnifying glass. <laughs> don't think about what we're, we're doing. It's basically we're going to read this off or we're going to uh, go through the motions really quickly or don't think about it too much. And then just wait until yeah. we fight Thanos again. Yeah. So. so we get um, what was interesting was Lindsay brought this up to me afterwards. She was disappointed mostly in Nebula because yeah. she was like basically like, did Nebula not remember that she had this R2D2 feature of like, you know, being able to record messages? <laughs> and mem- You know what I mean? Like, did it yes. not like dawn on her that like, I don't know if it was about going back to that timeline, but that Thanos would be able to be like, oh, yeah, let's just let's just like R2D2 this message and look at like what's going on. Because that really put everything in a whole mess of a situation. That created the issue. Um, that otherwise they would have just got those stones and they just would have been like, you know, boom, unsnap and be done. Uh, so. Oh, I know. Yes. This. So I actually, I actually, speaking of that snap, I wa- I had to use the restroom when uh, right after they all came back with the stones. So I didn't see Thor snap his fingers, or not Thor. Excuse me, uh, Hulk. Oh, so I didn't. Um, I came in and he was like throwing the gauntlet off his hand, so I missed all of that. Oh wow! Um, yeah. yeah. So I'm just gonna assume that he snapped his fingers and everything was okay. Well, he snapped so. it. Yeah, and then there was a moment where you hear Captain America hears um, Sam in his in his ear, being like Cap, mm. Cap, and that was like the first like indication that. People oh, were back. okay. Gotcha. And so, uh, but it still takes a moment before you get the little sorcerer circles. And the people yeah. come out, right? Um, before getting into the battle sequence, though, which will be the last part we talk about here, I uh, I want to talk about 
so the other groups in the in the in the timeline, um, namely Hawkeye and Black Widow. You know, when I asked you what surprised did anything in this movie surprise you, I will say for me the Black Widow death surprised me. Um, partly is that um, it was uh, oh hold on my little brother's here to correct me. Wah, wah. Um, so the phone call from Hawkeye's wife I think was the first indication oh, that people were okay, back. Oh, I gotcha. So Linda yes. Cardellini, um, you know, from from Freaks and Geeks, also from Mad Men, terrific. Scooby Doo, Scooby Doo, terrific. Scooby Doo. Um, yeah. She uh, she calls Hawkeye. Really, would have what would have meant more in the moment is a FaceTime call. Um, yes. A FaceTime call would have really brought it home, like that more than just a phone call. Totally. A FaceTime call. Also, yeah. though, it wasn't an iPhone; it was an Android, and nope. so it was definitely an Android. That's what, yeah. folks. That's why you don't do Android, okay? When you bring <laughs> back loved ones from the dead, you want to see their face; you don't want to hear their voice. So, anyway, shout out to Brandon, uh, my little brother, who's actually I kid you not in the middle of a Hallmark case against Cinemark movie theaters right now, a class action lawsuit. <laughs> I can't say too much about it, but uh, but I'm not totally kidding to say that he may be receiving a settlement from a theater that a theater chain that you and I used to work for. And so we're rooting we for did. you, Brandon. We're rooting for you. Um, get the big never settle, never Don't settle. settle, never settle. Get that before a jury, you'll win. You'll he would do great on the witness stand, by the way. Um, oh, yeah. And so. Anyway, uh, back to what I was saying. Um, I, the Hawkeye Black Widow sequence. Because they had announced Black Widow was doing a movie for Disney+, Plus, I think in my mind I had removed her from consideration for characters that could die. And because Hawkeye starts this movie in kind of a bad place, um, I thought it was going to be him. Now, in retrospect, it realized that it doesn't make sense because he has actually something to lose. He has family. Like, Black Widow literally has no right. one because they haven't spent any time on her yes. character to let us know, like, who's meaningful in her life, which is a real bummer. Um, but, like, I was still – they did a good job of surprising me in that moment. I didn't see that coming. Um, did that work for you? Did it surprise you? Yeah, it was fine. I didn't expect her to die either, but, but it makes sense, and, and I uh, I appreciate that they fully committed to it. So, um, Speaking of fully committing to it, uh, this the big emotional moment in Infinity War was this same sequence except for Gamora, okay? Thanos yes. pushing Gamora, was the that was the emotional thing. That was the thing that Star-Lord freaked out about, the reason why they didn't defeat Thanos, all this stuff. And guess what happened with Gamora? She came back. <laughs> she came back. So what is the, what are we doing here? If Gamora, this huge moment, like committing to Gamora's death, ends up being not committing to Gamora's death, does that at all for you take away from the moment of Black Widow? Like, is it for you a little bit like, well, we we did this already and we undid it. Can't we undo this? Yeah, I don't expect anyone that's dead to stay dead. But that's also like, honestly, that's an homage to the comic books because they no one ever stays dead in the comic books. Yeah. So I can uh, I can forgive him for that. Yeah. Well, but it's really hard in the movie in you know when you translate to 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 the screen um, to to have any sort of weight attributed to a death. When everyone just comes back. Yeah. yeah. Everybody. So, you know, we and we all said right after seeing Infinity War, everyone's going to be back. I don't understand why anyone's freaking out. Yeah. Yes, they all died at the end of the movie. Yeah. They're all coming back. All, all coming of them. Back. And they did. And they did. <laughs> so let's talk about that. They moment. absolutely did. Like, yeah. the, the, there is, there's the cynic part of me that's like, this shouldn't work. This, and I say the moment now going into the third hour. Um, I don't think there's any other of those sequences we need to get into. I'm trying to remember where everyone else went in the timeline, but it doesn't matter. I want to talk more about the third hour. 
Yeah. But the sequence of everyone coming through these little Doctor Strange portals and that big moment. This is the Lord of the Rings, the Minas Tirith battle on the, you know, this is when all the those ghost pirates appear kind of. Um, mm-hmm. It worked on me, man. I, I mean, I'm yep. just going to be honest with you. It like, gave me chills. I felt hyped. I was excited. I was like, this is awesome. Like, this is awesome. These are like, all my friends are back. You know, I knew they'd be back and now they're back. It really worked. And it was, you know, it was, you know, sentimental. Uh, you know, I realized it was mushy, but it worked. It worked on this cold little heart. of Yeah, me. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. And I'm much more cynical than you. So it told that that tells you that it's actually a really good scene. And it's the movie. That is the scene that we all wanted when we heard that um, these big budget movies or these comic book movies were going to be big budget. We wanted this gigantic epicness. And I hate just using epic, but this is really what it is. It's an epic, it's an epic battle sequence where there's thousands upon thousands of pieces individually moving. And it feels like this is the grand scale. Like this is, this is what the battle for the fate of the earth should look like. Two gigantic armies fighting against each other, um, and I think they really captured that with that with that sequence. And I think um, it's probably the it's probably the best sequence of the movie for me. Yeah. Overall, it's the most effective. Yeah, it um, was and it, really. Great. The way that it plays out is really really strong. Who who got the biggest reaction in your movie theater? Uh, you know. The- oh, oh, bar none, it was Spider Man. Oh yeah. Yeah, Spider Man popped big. Everybody yeah. was cheering. So. so Black Panther got a pretty good reaction in, in my group, but no doubt mm-hmm. Spider Man got the biggest one, which I th- I found very interesting. I, it's, it it's, is interesting. Yeah, just because like, uh, I mean, Black Panther was a way more successful financially film financially than it w- than uh, Homecoming was. Homecoming was still huge, but I just think yeah. like the Spider Man's a cultural icon, right? I mean, this precedes Tom Holland's uh, donning of the mask. It's it's just something that that it's one. It's that it's the familiarity, but also they really built up this emotional uh, connection between Tony and Peter, and their reunion was one that was great. Like you know, Peter Parker explaining like, "Oh, remember when I started like turning to ash and the you know like it, you know that it, it played yeah. well. He just gives him a hug, you know, and uh, Tony's not exactly the hugger hugging type. Um, no, he's not. But that scene really worked, and I think um, that was the. That was the note that, that they're really trying to strike, and they nailed it. So, yeah, good on them. Uh, um, speaking of Tony, the yeah. other two moments for me that really worked, and I really loved this one, uh, when Tony asks, um, you know, Doctor Strange about, like, you know, you said there was only one, you know, one of those paths. That, is this the one? And he says to him, like, I can't. If I were to tell you that, then it wouldn't happen, you know. And then a little later on, he looks at him, and you see Doctor Strange give him the one. It, there was something about that. It just—it was a really nice touch for him to kind of like yeah. tip it, like, okay, I'm—I'm I'm gonna tell you, this is the one, you know. And it kind of like yeah. confirmed to Tony, like, oh, this—this this is what I need to do. And he knew that in that moment that like Tony was prepared to do what he did. And the line from Thanos that says, "I am inevitable," and then he mm-hmm. notices he doesn't have the stones, and it goes to Tony with the gauntlet, and in you know, and he snaps and says, "I am Iron Man," which is a, a callback yeah, yeah, to the yeah. first Iron Man film when he does the press conference at the end That's of the right. film, and That's he says, right. when he's supposed to go up to s- explain how he's not Iron Man, and he says, "I am Iron Man." It's just a great moment. It really was. It's awesome. a great moment. It, it like, yeah, and it, it worked. It really does, and I think that part of me wanted to hear the uh, Black Sabbath Iron Man play in the background right after he said it, but I, it's, that's a little a little heavy handed, um, especially for that movie. <laughs> Believe it or not, you can be too heavy handed in it. 
in a Marvel movie. I thought it would have been funny though, like if he said right after he said I am Iron Man and then the the song starts playing. Yeah. yeah. Or even or even the, <laughs> even some Led Zeppelin. Ah. Oh yeah. Oh please, yeah. Definitely bring that back. <laughs> Throw some immigrant song. Um, yes. Yeah, no, I, I just I thought it worked great. Uh it was a good emotional it was such a good send off right. I mean this is this is a character that's really I mean technically the Incredible Hulk kicked off the MCU films, but Iron Man was the character that really kicked it off. And yeah, I, uh, I just thought that it was such a fitting end. Um, and so that, that moment with Dr. Strange and then him doing the, I am Iron Man, it all worked for me. Um, totally. I agree. And, and he had to, I mean, you know, he had to be the one that killed Thanos. Yeah. Like we knew it was going to have to be him that did it. Um, just because he was the de facto leader. And like you said, he was basically the center of the Marvel universe. Yeah. Um, so it was definitely going to be his, his task to, to win the fight, to save the world. And I'm really, really glad that they resisted the urge to make Captain Marvel be the ultimate hero that's uh, saved us from. Are we ready to talk about Captain Marvel? Are we ready? Are we I think we have to talk about Captain Marvel. So this Marvel. is under my things, list of things that didn't work. Captain Marvel. Uh, <laughs> and I, look, I don't want to, I don't want to have just belabor the point here, but her, the use of her character in this film was just absurd okay how many times did she have to explain like i'm not going to be showing up for a while maybe ever (laughs) so if you're wondering why i'm not in like the next two hours of the film it's because i'm telling you now i'm not going to be around and there's a ton of other planets and so if there's a moment that you need me back that's like perfect you'll probably find me there and I'm going to be Johnny or Janie on the spot, however you want to say it. Uh, and she was. And uh, and yeah. she's rocking a new do, by the way. Definitely. Uh, definitely. Is, I mean, that doesn't matter. I mean, it looks great. She looks great. But it, it's just like, I if she couldn't have, first off, let's just, why are you going to other planets? I know that they don't have the Avengers or whatever, but like, also, okay, the snap happened on Earth, Okay. And, uh, and if you don't help us on Earth, then we don't get the Avengers back. So how about let's right. like focus at ground zero and make Earth great again again? Like M-E-G-A, mega, okay? Make Earth great again first, <laughs> okay? Let's make Earth great again. And then you can worry about these other planets that I, – I'm sorry. I don't want to be – sound like a planetist or whatever, uh, you know. I don't know what the nationalist version of planetist planet is, but like, look, help us because as far as we know, you have invincible powers. We don't actually know the extent of your powers, and so let's stick around, okay? Let's figure out Thanos. Then you go to these other planets. But no, she goes to other planets. We don't even get a full accounting of if she's even really being useful over there. We have no idea. We're just taking her word None. for it. We don't know. It uh, could be failure after failure. I doubt it because she's invincible. <laughs> but anyway, she comes in this grand moment, you know, and it's like, oh, okay, cool. This was a little bit like when we had Scarlet Witch in Infinity War and they were like, "What? why wasn't she on the battlefield earlier? Uh, which was a great moment, a great line. And, and it was like a tip of the cap to like, yeah, we, we are aware. Or, or is it, and I was just say tip of the cap. It was a nod to the re- that, you know, that kind of reality. But Captain Marvel showing up, dude. It didn't work. It didn't work for me. No, it doesn't work for. It didn't work for me either. She's well. So her character is a cheat code, and they they screwed themselves. Yeah. They painted themselves in a corner because they can't use her. She's too powerful. Yeah. Um, and that's basically the problem with her character, right? So, so even though there's a universe extinction level event happening on Earth, they send her off to a different planet, and say. Um, 
and she's because she's preoccupied over there. Meanwhile, these guys are trying to literally save the universe, but that's not big enough. So she's going to swoop in at the last moment and uh, save the day. And her fight sequence with Thanos was not all that impressive. Yeah, she's the most powerful being in the world in in the universe in the entire Marvel universe, yeah. and Thanos got the best of her with only one stone. Yeah, like, he only had the one stone. So, I, she, a, lot, honestly, a lot of issues there. I would have been okay if she just arrived and just annihilated him. Just went right, just went right for the throat and have been like, "Oh, cool, all right, like, awesome." Exactly. Awesome. Have have her hold him back while while Tony delivers the death blow. So there was What's another. The so there was another Captain Marvel related moment that I it I have to bring up. Okay, <laughs> I'm sorry. I. I <sighs> I realize bringing this up might put me in some hot water, but here I go. It's everyone's going to be talking about okay. it. So if they so aren't already, a moment, it's definitely going to be. Remind me, you said you've seen it more recently than I. Was she carrying the gauntlet? Yeah. She is carrying the gauntlet, and okay. it's like that's the whole sequence is, or that's the whole um, chain of events is they're trying to transport the gauntlet to from one end of the battlefield to the other end. To get it in the hands of either Thor or Tony Stark or whoever's going to use it on Thanos. So, um, and the way that they do that is have her at one point have her carry it through um, just a hordes of all these bad guys. Yeah. And at, at one point they overwhelm her, even though she's the most powerful being on on in the universe. Right, right. They do overwhelm her. Uh-huh. And oh, actually they overwhelm Peter Parker. Oh, and yes. she's there to help him. Yes. And they both get surrounded. Yes. And, and then, the only way that they can get through uh-huh. to save the day is if they get help from other superheroes. Mm-hmm. So um, other superheroes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, of only one gender. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's so that's the scene. It's it's, it's scene. all the female yeah. superheroes so, come together and say, we're going to do this together. Basically, yeah. we don't need any men. We can do it ourselves. So let that's me, the message that they're. Yes. Conveying. Let me be clear. Just what this symbolizes is actually really incredible. I, I think like what they're, this, this scene, this moment is supposed to represent is something that I found to be incredibly powerful. And like, you know, it, it, there's the shot of all of these incredibly strong women characters and superheroes that we've come to know throughout all of the films. And like, I love that idea. I, my problem isn't at all in this idea of like, you know, she doesn't need help. She can get help from all the women. I think that's great. I, I, I sincerely do. My issue here, Aaron, is in the logistics. Okay? Now, hear me <laughs> out. It's, it has nothing to do with the gender stuff. It has everything to do with the logistics of the battlefield. Okay? This is a pretty expansive battlefield. Everyone's all over the place. And they got everyone in that moment. And let me, let me tell you. In college, I used to film weddings. Okay? Um, and let me tell you. Every wedding has a moment when they're like, all right, we're going to do a shot of all the girls, just the girls or boys, you know, all the all the men in one shot, you know, and the coordination to get the people there. It's just like, where's Tommy? We need Tommy. Tell Tommy we're doing a shot with all the men and Tommy. He's around the corner. He doesn't know, you know, like they're, they're all and it's, it's just a mess, right? It's like, oh, my gosh, to get this shot of all of the one group of, you know, and it's like they're every wedding has that right. Usually multiple. And it's just like. Oh my gosh, weddings, people are all over the place. It's just such a thing. And, and in this moment, I'm, I'm led to believe that 
these women, which are in showing in previous, they're all over the battlefield, fighting hard, and you know, some you know more successful than others. And it's like a moment where it's just like, hey, we're doing a group shot, you know, like it's just who's communicating that how were they getting to the you know what i mean like i i again i've done this at weddings and it's next to impossible and i have never filmed a wedding on a battlefield you know what i mean like i couldn't imagine how loud and chaotic it is but like you know just like something like hey we're waiting on gamora hold on don't do the moment yet like gamora's still she's got like 10 of these like you know creature things she's fighting and then we'll get her over here and we'll, then we got everyone you know what i mean it's just it, there was something about like having every single one of them weirdly diminish the moment a little bit like i and again who cares what i think okay i'm a i'm a white millennial male uh i <laughs> my opinion on this is not important but like i i tend to think a moment like that could have been more powerful if it was pepper Potts that jumped up and was like she doesn't need help or whatever you know we're here to help or whatever the line was you know she you know she comes up maybe it's maybe it's pepper um and nebula or, or some you know what i mean like like that it would have been way more you know i wouldn't have questioned the logistics of it um now granted this goes back to our original theme of don't ask too many questions don't don't poke too much or it'll fall apart yeah and again yeah. i am someone who adores the last jedi i think it could be the best star wars film that's ever been made and i realize that there is a lot of things in that film that if you poke too much at it's going to fall apart and so i don't want to be hypocritical but that did strike me as a moment that's like, okay, I, I, got, I can't think about this. Otherwise, it'll... Yeah, I mean, that's uh, it's on purpose, too. So they're they're obviously yeah, well, doing yeah. it for a reason. Yes. Um, so the flip side of that, of that is, though, in every other... In the history of <laughs> superhero movies, we don't think twice when it's all guys just ganging up. No, and, right. And accomplishing goal. We just don't. We you're never right. think twice of that. Yeah, we are so used to that. If, it's true. If the goal is to just have, you know, equality on both sides and, and to get to that point where we don't think twice when it's just all female superheroes fighting, I think we need to go through this moment where it's it's kind of awkward. And I think that's where we are. Yeah. Uh, because this moment, the way that they present it is pretty awkward. Yeah. It's just not handled. It's not handled smoothly. And even yeah. though the message is correct and even though it doesn't, it obviously doesn't matter, um, you know, it shouldn't matter. They're all superheroes and they're all fighting together for for one common goal, um, it it is important uh, because of you know that's just the time that we live in, right? Yeah. Um, and people associate the, their identities with these characters, and whether that's good or bad, you know, it's not for me to determine. Um, and I, you know, I I understand why people would look up to these characters and why they would associate with them, um, but as purely as a as a film product. As something that is presented as a movie, a dramatic sequence, dramatic scene, it does not work. It's it's, it's very stilted yeah. and it's very it's very blatant and um, not smooth at all. So I cannot say that I was a fan of the execution of it, whereas I am a fan of the underlying message, the message. and what eventually what it'll be. Yes. Um, but the execution of it was not smooth, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I totally uh, agree. It's kind of silly. I totally agree. With yeah. that and it was a chance to do something really cool. Like, I mean, it reminded me of a moment in Lord of the Rings um, when um, you have uh, uh, Eowyn, a character who is wearing this mask where it looks, you know, she's not supposed to be in the battlefield because she's a woman. So she wears right. this helmet so she can mask and she goes in and she's fighting one of the the, um, the Nazgul. 
And uh, the sure. Nazgul says, no man can defeat me. And she takes the mask off. She goes, I am no man. And then she puts the sword into his head. Yes. That was a cool moment. Right. Like, that's of a course. great moment, right? Yeah. Uh, I guess the equivalent would be like, she takes the mask off. She goes, I am no man. And then it zooms out. And then every single female character in Lord of the Rings behind there. And then it says, we are no men. <laughs> and then and then she <laughs> does. Right, right. It's like a little bit like that. It's like, oh, well, we, okay. You know? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. That's actually really apt comparison. And, and again, it would also feel inauthentic and silly um so yeah Yeah. it just it's one of those scenes that just really sticks out and and i think the root of it is i am just not a fan of the captain marvel character yeah either use either use the character to their full potential and have them save the universe by themselves because they are essentially god in this in this universe they have god's powers or don't use them yeah that's right (laughs) so that's right you you can't have your feet in both camps (laughs) And maybe if Captain Marvel as a film had done a better job of explaining the extent of the powers, then it would have been easier to understand what she can and can't do. But they didn't. Right. They wasted that opportunity. And so we're left to kind of like, okay, she's just showing up. You know, I I, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And again, this is something that we talked about in when we talked about Captain Marvel. The character is Superman without kryptonite. So. If yeah. if Captain Marvel had a kryptonite and Thanos had that kryptonite, then it makes perfect sense. Now she's vulnerable. Now she does need the help of every every superhero, regardless of it's if it's a female superhero or male or a raccoon. She needs the help because now she's vulnerable. Um, in her current state, she's completely invulnerable, and she shouldn't need anybody's help. But uh, that doesn't make again. You cannot scrutinize this movie you can't scrutinize because it. You, it falls apart. We're here for the moment. We're here for what happens in the moment. Like. The, yeah, like the culmination of everything here still works. It's you know these little bits and pieces here and there don't work, but like the the extent of everything here still I think really, or I should say the culmination of everything here still really really works. Uh, which and I have a couple more points on that. Uh, I know we talked about Gamora, the bringing her back cheapens Infinity War to a, a degree that I'm uncomfortable with. Um, and it also cheapens any other deaths in Endgame in a way because it's like if we can grab characters from other timelines and bring them back to the current one, then like we kind of like anything is possible. But I guess with time travel, that's just yeah. like what you create. But I think what made me really upset about the Gamora bringing back was that like one, as I mentioned, that was the heart of Infinity War and the heart of Thanos's like whole like grief and tragedy. But they brought her back here and didn't have like a similar level of weightiness to her coming back as they did to her leaving. In fact, her coming back was just a gag, a gag to like kick Star-Lord, you know, in between the legs and be like, this guy, you know, you know, it's like, what? Exactly. Well, you brought it. And so and then also the idea and we see this at the end, um, Star-Lord, you see the screen that says Gamora searching, you know, it's like, OK, so I guess that's that's Guardians 3 then is him searching for Gamora and then re-romancing Gamora. Like, we're going to have to retread that because we already got those movies. We got two of them. You know what I mean? Like, we, we've we seen him do that. Now we have to do that again. Is this going to be 50 First Dates? You know? And that's still a good <laughs> movie. But it's just kind of like, what? Like, I'm, I'm, it makes me not encouraged in the direction that that storyline for that franchise is going for Guardians of the Galaxy. I, it bummed me out a little bit. Um the other, the other thing I want to bring up is a lot of people have questions about who was at Tony Stark's funeral. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There, there is this lingering shot on this boy 
Um, mm-hmm. And I've got. Oh, oh, it's it's stuck out. Well, because he's alone, and yeah. the the camera like almost like because the, the camera slowly it's just it's doing this pan, you know, across all of the people. It's like, hey, look who's here! Look who's here! Everyone, everyone! And then the camera almost stops and like jerks back a little bit, like say what? Like who is this? You know? And it's like this kid. <laughs> Standing then, it's like, okay, we're going to keep going so we can get to the hero shot of Nick Fury as he's walking on the deck, you know. And who looked, right. by the way, looks like he just showed up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that kid, I, 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 I couldn't even enjoy any of the other characters it was showing. Like, I didn't even have a moment to enjoy Michelle Pfeiffer, um, you know, because yes, we exactly. hadn't seen her yet, you know. And so it was like, what? Who is this kid? And then it dawned on me, like, oh, okay, that's the kid from Iron Man 3. Now, the thing is, is Iron Man 3, by the way, I don't know for sure that it is, but I'm, like, pretty sure that it is. I haven't looked it up. Um, I'm sure there's YouTube videos, oh, a ton yeah, of them. No, about I'm that trying to Google it. Yeah. I, I guarantee if you Google who was the kid, it will autofill in the funeral of Endgame. Yeah. You know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be the yeah, – yeah. because I got multiple text messages from people asking me. And, I, again, I should <laughs> fact check this, but it took me a minute to think about, like, hey, what other significant kids – in Tony Stark's, Tony Stark's life would show up, and then I realized it was him because he had a whole plot line with him. The thing is, is I've only seen Iron Man three maybe two, two times because it's my least favorite of the Iron Man films. It's one of my least favorite of all the MCU films, and that kid is so much older now that he looks nothing like his character in yeah. Iron Man three. So why are we? That's the problem. Look, if you want to have him there, that's fine. Have him in the background. He is by himself in between groups of people, and he gets a long solo shot, and it's pretty weird. It was <laughs> like. This kid, and that kid clearly hasn't had a lot of acting gigs since then because he's uncomfortable yeah. with the camera and how long the camera is chilling there. Uh, I don't know if they, maybe they only had one chance, one take to get all those people there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, did you know who Oh, was? you know, there's one cameo. No idea, but I'm going with your theory. Okay. I think you're right. right. That is the kid from Iron okay. Man 3. But we forgot one cameo. What? The, he's, he's a top three cameo in this movie. Oh. Ken Jong as mm. the security guard. Oh, man. Dude. <laughs> I was only 60% sure it was Ken Jong because he doesn't say any words. <laughs> what? What are you? He got the Natalie Portman gig where it was like, we can oh, pay yeah. them less if they don't speak. <laughs> like, what is this? He just had to be in that movie. I don't understand. I don't and then also, let's give him the worst wig and a bad mustache because that's perfect. It's, well, it was distracting. It was someone that was too famous. Yes, it's. If it was you're gonna a stupid put, idea. It was a dumb idea. And you know how this happens, right? Like, Ken Jong is like, he is pushing his agent, who probably also represents the Russo brothers, to be like, just ask him if I just, I could be a security guard. Just get me in this movie. I want to be, you know, it's the one, it'll be one of the biggest movies ever, you know? Wait, I just had an idea. Ooh. What if that was Stanley's part before he Ooh. died? What if that was supposed to be his part? We did get Stanley still, though. We did get, we did get a Stanley. But what if that was supposed to be his part? Oh my gosh! You know, it probably was. I'm gonna say that was probably supposed to be his part. Gosh, why? If they were gonna... now, it's sad. Now I'm sad. Wow. You know, it's... rest in peace, Stan. Why didn't they have Robert Redford do this Stanley part? <laughs> they should. Why didn't they have him stand in and just be Stanley? They really should have. Oh gosh, <laughs> that's funny. Um, Kenja, I forgot about that cameo. I really was so, I was just like, I'm 60 to 70% sure that's him, but like, I'm not totally sure. I'm really not. It shouldn't have been him. Like it shouldn't have, you know what I would have loved is if that was M. Night Shyamalan. (laughs) 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 
<laughs> get him to cameo in the di- in a movie other than one of his own. I thought that would have been special. Um, yeah. So I think I've gone through most of my list. I think here of like things that didn't work. The time travel again can't can't hold that. Up. It just there's a lot. Of, there is a Loki running around with a tesseract still. Okay, like yep. that's the reality. And bringing Gamora back oh, again opens up a lot of issues. Um, Captain Marvel didn't obviously didn't work. She again the make America or make sorry <clears throat> make Earth great again. Uh, and then um, let's see the things that worked. I I I went through all of them. Yeah, I went through all the cameos. I went through Fat Thor, which is still probably my favorite gag and the best character. I hope I hope that they just at least include Thor in the future Guardians films because there are no other Thor films that are greenlit right now. Um, and you can make uh, a Thor like the next Thor movie could essentially be just a Valkyrie movie, right? I mean, it's not even a Thor movie because right, we have exactly. Tessa Thompson, who's just sensational. She's an incredible actress, and she's great in this role. And now she has this newfound, you know, leadership role over the new Asgard, right? Um, and so I guess we'll have that. Those are movies that Thor could always pop into. But the end of this film leads me to believe that they're going to keep Thor in space and with the Guardians. And so hopefully he has, uh, you know, more than I, I hope he has a non-trivial role, basically. So. Yeah, I don't know. That, so that's the problem. If he's part of the Guardians now, yeah, you're, you're taking the spotlight away from at least one of the other main characters. That's the gag, you know? isn't it? I think it's. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm kind of done with the Guardians, too, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Yeah. Guardians 2 didn't hold up super great. I mean, it's okay. Mm-mm. Uh, my maybe my last question to you here is of of the people coming back. Who do you feel was there anyone shortchanged, or a character that you were like, oh, we got them back finally, but like I wish we would have spent a little bit more time with this character. Well, I think Black Panther. I think uh, that's that the easy weird? answer. Yeah, it's very very strange. He feels like a peripheral character, even though he had a gigantic movie. He he is. He's going to be the face of this Marvel MCU moving forward. I, d- I don't know anymore. I really don't know after because movie, it feels it like it doesn't feel he's... like it. It's weird. No. Well, how about after Infinity War 2? Yeah. Yeah. So, I yeah, that felt that felt weird to me. I mean, he has a cool entrance. He comes through, you see the silhouette, you know, you know who it is. And then it's uh then it's just not a lot of not a lot of King Nothing. of Wakanda. It's really weird. No. It's yeah, that 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 stuck out to me, um, but uh, yeah, I mean they you know they play with Peter Parker a lot, and that's because they've got Far From Home coming out. Um, When's that coming out? Oh uh, gosh, July. Now Kevin Feige. Okay. I don't know. I think it's July. Yeah, fact check me on that. But Kevin Feige, the producer of these films, mm-hmm. said that technically Far From Home is the final chapter of Phase Three. This is not not Endgame, but Far From Home is. Got um, it. I, I know we sound like a broken record when I say don't hold the time travel to, to scrutiny, but I do have, speaking of far from home, so I'm led to believe that those kids at the high school with Peter Parker disappeared for five years. The world continued. Okay, Their high school was still open. Half of the students, presumably, or assume, you know, uh, continued with their studies, and then we unsnapped, and those kids came back. Did they go back to school? Are like, <laughs> what it's a good it, question. Yeah, I don't know how that's gonna work. 
And there's no answer. So it's whatever you want it to be. They're going to have to reference it in Far From Home, right? The unsnap. Yeah. Like someone's going to be like, well, yeah, isn't yeah, that yeah. crazy that we disappeared and the world went on five years without us and now we're back, but everything yeah. is good again? Exactly. Now we're going to go to Europe for this field trip, you know? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's, I'm, I'm, it's there was actually one of my favorite lines in the movie, thinking back, was uh, one that Black Widow had when, um, when Ant-Man came back. And he said, uh, "Do you guys? Do any of you guys know anything about quantum physics?" And her line was, um, "Or no." He said, "Does do any of you guys uh, have any of you studied quantum physics?" And she said, uh, "Yeah, f- conversationally or something." Basically, she's just like, "No, but I know something about it." Yeah, yeah, that was. <laughs> so black, I can have a conversation about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's pretty funny line. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I you know I was surprised. One of the big surprises I did have was. Uh, was Paul Walker in this movie? I'm, you know, I'm not a big Ant Man fan, but I, I think Paul he did a great job. At Paul this. Walker is dead. Uh, uh, Paul Rudd. Oh, uh, sorry, I was gonna say if that's a cameo, the, missed, the living Paul. If CGI the Paul Walker Paul. was in this movie, I missed it. <laughs> <laughs> well, why didn't they? Why didn't they go back in time and tell him not to take that drive? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just oh my saying. Gosh. Dude, I'm just what saying. if they did that? What if they went back and said, Paul, don't get in the car? And first off, he's like, don't who are it. you? Why are you in a metal suit? Um, <laughs> a metal suit of armor. And then they go back to the five years later, and there's twice as many Fast and the Furious movies. <laughs> I, we're getting that anyway. We're getting a Hobbs and Shaw. Oh Why do we want that? Dude, wh- why couldn't the seventh Infinity Stone been preserve Paul Walker? Like, that would have been... <laughs> Oh jeez, I'm laughing, but it's out of pain. It's out of uh, you know. I, I miss I miss the guy. I do too. Um, oh gosh, I can't believe you said that. Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd. Dude, so yeah, he surprised you. Yeah, he did. I think uh, he's he pleasantly surprised me. Yeah. Well, like I said at the beginning of this pod, this was Ant Man's movie. This was Ant Man exactly. and Nebula's movie. I was not expecting Nebula. Not to, I mean, she was a significant part of this movie. I mean, a lot of what her narrative drove this movie, or yeah, drove the plot forward. But Ant Man, I would argue too much. But Ant Man, yeah. yeah. So Paul, like an actual ant, carried the weight of this movie on his back. (laughs) Oh gosh, yeah. He uh, he was great because he he. I mean, I felt like this was the best use of Ant Man, better than the first two Ant Man films. Because you got Paul Rudd Completely the funny agree. boyish charm, but you also got Paul Rudd the like I'm, he's supposed to be really smart. Or I don't know if he went to MIT or Harvard. Or they've made references to how smart his test scores in the previous films. But like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I love his reaction to Thor's speech, where he's like, <laughs> Thor is going on that rambling speech and whatever, and everyone's like, dude, you're losing it. And it's showing Paul Rudd's reaction. He's like eating it up, you know. He's like loving it. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I thought Paul Rudd. Uh, I again, I said this at the start. I just can't believe how much of Ant-Man's story, especially from Ant-Man of the Wasp, factored into this. Like this is that was Well, you know what's it's, it's great is yeah, so Paul Rudd as an actor, he's he's basically like Tofu where he he absorbs whatever is around him. Yeah. Um just like Tofu. Yeah. So which is great because he works in a crowd like that in yeah. an ensemble movie. Yeah. And I cannot say the same about Jeremy Renner. Oh. I don't think the Jeremy Renner actually works in an ensemble like in this particular movie um which is why i think they kind of used him like sparingly on his own they did basically him and black his, widow the opening sequence so, i thought the opening scene with the family was a, that was incredible really good like 
It's really good. Good use of like bringing back to where we are, the, the emotional stakes, yep. where's he, where his headspace is at. Like I just thought the opening of this film was like tremendous. Like I really, really like that. Did you like him as the assassin going to Japan? Well, I I have problems with some of his choices that he went after. Um, Starting with the haircut. I would have loved it if he was at like he went after big banks in Wall Street. You know, like if there was like this like political <laughs> right. like homeboy's going to Japan to tackle to fight. Like, dude, there's there's yeah. probably enough domestic issues that he could have gone after. I feel like before going oh, to yeah. Japan. Uh, yeah, but the thing is, if he's fighting Wall Street, he doesn't get a um, a katana blade. <laughs> he doesn't. Whereas get if he goes to Japan, he like this, yes, where he cleans exactly. it off with the, with the inside of his elbow, <laughs> you need to clean off your bloody blade. That is a rule. Yeah. Well, good thing they had that spaceship that so Black Widow can get to Japan in two hours versus the twenty one hour flight that it normally is. <laughs> well, I, how about the fact that uh, in the first opening sequence, Tony Stark says we're a thousand miles away. From any oh, yeah. a thousand light years away yeah. from any light source. Yeah. And um, Captain Marvel says, ah, I'm faster than the speed of light. So yeah. I'll just carry you. So you need, you need a toe? Because I can get you. I'm just going to. Yeah. 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 So a thousand light years. Right. So and it took her how long to get to Earth? Probably minutes. So yeah. that's how fast Captain Marvel is. Yeah. I was thousands of times faster than the speed of light. I realized that was before the five year break, but I would have really loved if they had committed similar to fat Thor. They committed to scrawny, uh, Tony Stark. Like, Oh, that they were going there. Dude. I I thought they were going to do it. I was like, Oh my gosh, we're going to get this, you know, this (laughs) castaway. It was castaway. He was castaway in space. I, I was expecting a scene where it shows him in his room and he can't sleep in the bed. He sleeps on the floor because he's used to yeah, sleeping on the floor. That exactly. Shit. And I was, I was wondering. Well, Nebula him, was his Wilson. Was his Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> How shocked he was to get back and realize that she wasn't a figment of his imagination, <laughs> that she was real. Um, <laughs> oh, all right. Oh, we're at an hour 20. But I, there's, there's a lot of this is a three hour movie and we could keep going. Um, oh yeah anything else you want to hit on no we hit all the major points i mean if you liked any of the movies you'll like this Uh, you'll like it enough what was the box office of this what was the uh, so domestic is 350 million dollars so that shatters the record for opening shatters yeah worldwide it's over a billion so (laughs) opening weekend a billion dollars yeah. And how many of those people did not see Ant-Man and the Wasp before going into this? <laughs> well, it's on Netflix, so they're probably going to watch it now. Yeah, they will watch it now. So the, you know what's really interesting to me? Uh, domestically, it opened in, in uh, 4,600 screens. Mm. Um, the average, the per screen average was $75,000, which is, that's insane. Wow. That's, it's, every screen made $75,000. Now, you've counted money for screens before. Yeah. You know what, this, what the, the math usually is on this. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, I mean, just look at the number two movie, which is uh, which is Captain Marvel, um, at eight million, made it a per screen average of three thousand. Wow. So we're talking about, yeah, a factor of uh, whatever. So yeah, I mean, it's just the movie is just unbelievably popular. I it was hard for me to find a ticket using the AMC app. Wow. Um, yeah, because I'm on a list, so I, I can see you know three movies a week for twenty bucks. Um, but this, you know, because everyone is on using that now, it's really, really difficult to get a good seat opening weekend. So even for this one with so many showings, but yeah. Wow. Well, 
I know I I realized the ratio of minutes we hit on the negative far outweighed the ratio of minutes that we hit on the positive. Hopefully we made it entertaining for people because I think a majority of people listened to this enjoyed it and and enjoyed it they should because this was uh, it was a guilty pleasure for me. I mean, it's not a standalone film. It's not a film that is contained whatsoever. Infinity War is more contained. And that's a movie that ends on a major yep. cliffhanger. And that was much more contained than this was. And, and ultimately, I said before, I think it's the better movie. Um, but this, I, it was just a hugely satisfying payoff. And I really, really appreciated the send-off to give Iron Man. I just felt like it was, I mean, about as perfect of, uh, of an ending of a character that I've ever seen in cinema. I mean, through all that uh, Robert Dana Jr. and Iron Man and Tony Stark has gone through, I just thought that it was, uh, they just really did it right. Uh, I mean, it was pitch perfect and so i'm i'm happy i do want to see it again because there's a lot to it uh it's hard to commit to seeing a three-hour movie again but i'm definitely going to because i want to see it again our 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 man skyler saw a seven o'clock showing and then a 2 30 a.m showing and he's committed he said the second viewing was better than the first uh which is really pretty incredible but there's a lot going on in this movie it's a pretty brisk pace and so, uh, yeah, yeah, it, it doesn't it doesn't feel like it drags. They, the the pace is really uh, up tempo, and they try the best they can to just keep it interesting. There's always something happening. Oh yeah, you're always engaged. Um, so yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm gonna recommend it for anyone that likes any like aspect of the Marvel movies. You're gonna probably like this one as well. Yeah. So I would say so. It's not great, but it's good. Yeah, yeah, a fitting uh, and a triumphant conclusion, I would say, to this chapter. And- and yeah. kind of to phase three. So, all right, yeah. Aaron, thanks for joining me. Thanks for sitting through a three-hour Marvel film, even though you're a DC guy. And to the rest of you, always us. for life. <laughs> Let us know what you think. Let us know uh, what you agree, what you disagree with. And uh, we'll see you next Especially time. Especially you, Frank Grillo. Especially on Frank. Yeah, Frank, we know you're still listening. We are so <laughs> grateful that you agreed to come back for that role. I hopefully got paid some money. Uh, more than just the craft services. Uh and, and the invitation uh, is still open. You're, if you want to come on, just let us know. We will be coming back to do a deep dive on the Episode 9 teaser. We're getting so many comments. People don't want us to talk about Endgame. They want us to talk about the Episode 9 teaser. And by so many comments, I mean just one from Jeff Moraine. Um, Jeff, if you keep bothering us, we might not do that episode. So, anyway. Um, <laughs> We're probably going to boycott the movie, to we, be honest. We just might. Uh, we just might. If he undoes the things that Ryan Johnson put forth, and if I even get a whiff of him undoing what Ryan Johnson did in The Last Jedi, I will not see this movie. And so, anyway, look out for that. We'll break down the trailer, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. See you. Thank you for listening to the Brave Little Podcast. Hold on to your butts. <laughs>